Tyler, we've got some uh, juicy content here to break down. We're going to start with... Um, so, okay, we're, we've been doing a lot of COVID-19 content. Uh, it's very hard to avoid the subject. But with B2B specifically, there's almost endless topics that we can break down because of how much B2B is affected by changes in um, manufacturing processes, in the supply chain. And so with the economy being shaken to its core, there are different perspectives that we always need to unpack. So the one that I want to unpack on the show today and get y'all's thoughts on is how slaughterhouses and the uh, food and beverage, I almost said the Facebook supply chain. <laughs> Sorry, I probably should stop using FB in my notes, but the, the, the food and beverage supply chain, how it is reacting to COVID-19 realities. So right now what we're seeing is more than a dozen beef pork and chicken processing plants in the United States closed or running at greatly reduced speeds because of the pandemic. So, I mean, okay, factories closing, not something that's particularly surprising during the pandemic, but for something like our uh, food supply chain, closing that many processing plants can Mm. really change um, the dynamics of the industry. Meatpacking and processing plants have become a staple of modern capitalism and then the ever-growing food supply chain. Um, Mm -hmm. And the way that they've grown both famous and infamous is honing their craft for maximum efficiency and productivity. Uh, In the early 2000s, or in the late 90s and early 2000s, that often was at the expense of the worker. It led to huge... um, Uh, unionization efforts on behalf of a lot of Smithfield workers, for example, at their uh, pork processing plants. But, um, you know, as as that has been honed and and the dynamics of the workplace there have changed over time, basically what we've been left with is a heavily unionized workforce that um, even with a lot of, you know, safety or good pay or even just power representation in the workplace, um, that still doesn't diminish just the grueling nature of the work and the close proximity of the workforce within the uh, heavily uh, refrigerated warehouses. Often, um, you know, that efficiency and productivity means you've got workers you know, pretty much on top of each other for some tasks. There's a, I was reading up on this. There is a position called, um, oh my, hold on. <laughs> Stay on me here for a second. It's something like um, gut snatcher. That's it. Yep, gut snatcher. <laughs> so you can only imagine what that the medical is term. like on a day-to-day. Yeah, medical term. It's quite exactly what you think. It's a few people basically uh, co-cutting a pig open and, you know, ripping its entrails out. Uh pig after pig. So, you know, beautiful way to start your morning. But um, what has happened is that kind of close proximity, the kind of grueling nature of the work that uh, often leaves workers feeling very fatigued, vulnerable, tired, has led to meat plants turning into hubs for the outbreak of COVID-19 and revealed both how crucial and how vulnerable these slaughterhouses are to the global food supply chain. So in this past week, the number of cattle slaughtered dropped nearly 22% from the same period a year ago. And the um, uh, number of hog slaughters was down 6% uh, from the same period a year ago. This is uh, from the Department mm-hmm. of Agriculture. 
And that's significant because most of our meat comes from only a few meatpacking facilities. It's been a very consolidated Mm -hmm. industry over the years. In cattle, for example, uh, there's only a little more than 50 plants that produce 98% of the beef in the United States. So when you've got several dozen plants closed and in one sect of it, you only have 50 plants that even produce basically all of the beef, shutting down slaughterhouses can be brutal to that supply chain. Uh, This is Mm -hmm. from the article that I was um, studying up on. It's on msn.com. But, quote, it backs up hog and beef production across the country, crushes prices paid to farmers, and eventually leads to months of meat shortages. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's basically just an essential piece of the supply chain that, because of the conditions of the labor, basically has turned it into a... Uh, an outbreak hub in Sioux Falls, for mm-hmm. example, the Smithfield pork plant there became the single largest hub for the spread of COVID-19. Sixteen uh, percent of their 3,700 employees tested positive. Jeez. And because much of the workforce is young, they weren't being hospitalized. So mm-hmm. there were a lot of um, a lot of asymptomatic people spreading it throughout the facility without even knowing it. And, you know, by the time someone starts showing symptoms, it's already kind of too late. You've already started spreading it all over your place of work. So, mm-hmm. w- I mean, what are y'all's initial thoughts after hearing all that? I think for... Well, Tyler... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I think for me, the, the, the thing that really stands out about all this is just how, I guess, fragile the entire ecosystem has always been that that it's interesting that it took kind of something like this to really help us realize it just that the idea of restaurants not operating at full capacity or not at all right now means that there are fewer meat orders, which affects the meatpacking industry, you know, which affects the slaughter industry, which affects uh, the farming industry, you know, that supplies the cattle, you know, all of these different, all the way down the chain. And so, you know, I think that there's that temptation to think, oh, if restaurants don't do well, you know, that's an isolated thing. That's a bummer for, you know, people that don't work in restaurants and that's that's really hard and, and that's going to be a difficult thing. But then you don't think of the, the chain effect and probably the number of, you know, towns, areas that rely on that as like the primary industry in that specific area or, you know, kind of the, the main employer of certain people, I think that the effects there could be absolutely devastating in terms of, you know, what this does to, um, I'm kind of imagining, you know, middle America, kind of small town America almost. And so I, again, it, it just drives home to me just how fragile this entire ecosystem is. Yeah. Taylor, yeah. your thoughts? No, I mean, I think that's a really good point. And, and to, to kind of touch back on, you know, the fragility of that ecosystem is, uh, I, you know, a lot of people have pointed out the sustainability in the meat industry as a whole, you know, really what that means for us as, um, you know, a populace on a, on a large level, you know, so despite having something like a, you know, worldwide pandemic, you know, can we actually feed the global population or at least the national population with, you know, the means that we have? And and I think that we see that we were really on the cusp of that, you know, and with anything that can, can get put into that mixture, you know, that might shake things up a little bit. Um, like Tyler said, you realize that entire, um, chain of operations, you know, starts to get uprooted. And then we start to see really the the limits in our sustainability there as, um, you know, kind of the, the food and beverage uh, community at large. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just uh, I think Tyler kind of nailed that. It, it just shows that you know there was probably uh, problems and symptoms that we were dealing with before um, you know this pandemic, and, and now they're really coming to light and kind of being shown through. Yeah, and um, you know, I think it's important to highlight a few other things as well. Um, you know, a big reason why there's so much drama around. Um, this industry and the outbreak is that overall there has been very minimal testing nationwide. So this quote really stood out to me and some can interpret it as, you know, a a giant corporation wanting to pass blame off to others, which I'm sure, you know, might be part of it. But also um, this is a quote from Steve Stouffer, I think Stouffer, S-T-O-U-F-F-E-R. He's the president of the Fresh Meats Division at Tyson Foods. Here's what he said. Quote, everybody wants to test meatpacking employees, but nobody is testing the communities around them to show what's the baseline. And until we know the baselines, my question has always been, are we the cause or are we just the victim of our surroundings? So, uh, you know, I don't think that diminishes the extremely close quarters, grueling work that happens within these meatpacking plants and uh, the unique scenarios of the plant that can create such an outbreak. But I do think he has a point that it would be a lot easier to contextualize this outbreak to the surrounding area if we better understood who was getting sick in the surrounding area. Mm. And, um, you know, if, if it takes towns where the main employer is a giant meatpacking plant to understand that there's an outbreak because then the meatpacking plant, you know, maybe causes or exacerbates the outbreak and then we get testing, that means there's something structurally very mm-hmm. wrong with the system. So, uh, you know, with, with many systems, with both our, our supply chain and also just our ability to take care of our workers. So I think that's important to highlight. And, um, you know, I think it's also important to highlight that Smithfield did uh, a week before they shut down um, uh, a, a huge chunk of their plants did pass out protective equipment like PPE, some face masks, and put up uh, plexiglass shields between employees at, at different spots. But basically, it, it was ineffective. Um, it, you know, it was a bare minimum, but basically for there to not be more spreading at the facility, they would have to be less productive. They would have to literally just pack less meat so Mm. there are less people in there at a time Mm. uh scatter the shifts or um uh just kind of make them more spread out and therefore there aren't as many people quite literally passing by each other interacting and working on the same station and in our current economic system often that isn't even a consideration oh no you know we have to keep the same level of production no matter what or you know unless like literally the market explodes which is kind of the situation we're in but even then right no we need to maintain the same level of productivity and efficiency and so you know if that means that people are going to get sick well i guess that's a risk that they were willing mm-hmm. to take so you know that's the dynamic that we're in here um I, I i just think it's very important to highlight the kind of power dynamics that make this happen and even with some protections you know what does it really mean to be protected sometimes it just means stop working because that is what is going to um you know keep you from getting the virus and sometimes that's the simplest solution but it's the hardest one to make for a lot of companies yeah Absolutely. And I think that we're going to start to see a lot more of that decision about, you know, how much does our 
production lead to, you know, just creating a good standard of living for people? And how much do we rely on, on, you know, having something essential like food, um, as opposed to, you know, production and the means of how much can our company profit, you know, there's almost the responsibility of feeding people versus just the, uh, um, you know, need to be profitable and have, uh, you know, gainful income. That's that's a good point too. I mean, the industry is very unique. It is our global food supply chain, mm. um, and you know, uh, I think a question to pose to leave us all thinking on before we move on is, um, you know, I guess it, the food supply chain is notorious for waste. So often, there's a lot of food that gets produced, including meat. Um, that just ends up getting thrown away. And we saw it too with dairy. I'm not sure if y'all saw the videos of dairy farmers basically just opening the spigot and letting milk rush out of their pipes and down the drain because it wasn't profitable to sell the milk. There was too much milk. And, you know, I guess they're not going to be giving it away for free because, you know, oh, that's a novel concept, I guess. So we're just going to dump a bunch of... uh, nutritious milk down the drain and that kind of waste you know is is just very evident even during normal times overproduction mm-hmm. that then it's just like okay this food won't sell well we're going to cut it toss it and uh you know it's just going to decompose and mm-hmm. no one's going to benefit from it so uh you know how important is it to retain scale in our food supply chain hmm. but then also how important is it to analyze where the waste already is and you know would it really even hurt to tone down production at the meat packing plant um to keep workers safe are we really going to see a meat shortage that is so drastic that it affects people's ability to eat you know is it going to be that dynamic i think those are the questions that we need to be unpacking moving forward for the industry yeah, I, I think that's I think that's absolutely right, and and I think maybe maybe you saw the example from uh, um, maybe from the oil industry where all of a sudden supply just so outpaced what demand was that the the price of oil dropped below zero. <laughs> you know, and, and, yeah, pay me to fill up my car. Ex- exactly, and, and I think that you know your example there with dairy kind of speaks a little bit to that as well, right? You you don't want to have so much supply that the demand for it, you know, it basically costs more to have it than it does to, to sell it. So, you know, it's, it's a tricky situation. And I, and I think you're right. I think evaluating the entire system top to bottom and finding where that waste is and maybe where things could be cut back seems like a smart idea. This was a snippet from Business Casual with Daniel Litwin and Tyler Kern, your B2B morning radio show. Tune in Wednesdays and Fridays at 9 a.m. Central on the Simple Radio app or marketscale.com slash industries. 